Joined on the line now by Nadir Token uh, from 274 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Nadir, of course, everybody's still talking Brexit and, of course, the impact of that decision on South Africa. Yeah, Sakina, I mean, listen, it, it, it's going to be far-reaching. Um, you know, it's not exactly clear what the full impact will be, and we've got to wait and see, uh, you know, what the UK negotiates in terms of, uh, with the EU, in terms of the exit agreements and when that will happen and whether the trade agreements will stay in place and whether, um, you know, new trade agreements will become necessary. But, you know, in, in effect, we've got to look at the, the, the summarized picture here. So if we look at the value of South Africa's trade with the UK, um, you know, in, in, in absolute terms, in terms of a single country, uh, the UK is our fifth largest trading partner with about 41 billion rand, um, with South Africa exporting about 41 billion rand to the UK and importing about 35 billion rand worth of goods and services from the UK. So, you know, fairly significant in terms of a trade partner for, for South Africa. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest concern, Sakina, is that the Brexit vote will weigh on global, uh, global growth, which is already uh, at a fairly mundane pace and a very very, very anemic, and that will ultimately translate into lower economic growth for South Africa, and we know the impacts of that. Uh, we know the ratings agencies have expressed significant concern about the lack of economic growth in South Africa, and uh, you know, this will displace a further dampener on global growth and uh, perhaps have a knock-on impact onto South Africa, or definitely would have a knock-on impact into South Africa. So, in terms of quantifying it in terms of numbers, that's very difficult for the time being, uh, but we know for the we know that Europe is our largest trading partner in composites, and uh, you know if, there, if, if there's a risk of uh, this sentiment spreading to the rest of Europe, um, you know, which is certainly what global markets are really concerned about in terms of the rest of Europe going to a referendum uh, to vote on independence or an exit from the EU. We've already seen the French National Party talking about a referendum necessary uh, in, 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 in France. And I think for the time being, Sakina, it, it, it's becoming critical um, that the Remain campaigns in the various countries and, you know, the, 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 the a coherent strategy be put together where they prevent this sort of narrative from dominating the media. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously been a shock result and uh, Europe has taken a massive blow from it. But I think uh, the people pro-economic growth and pro-certainty certainly and, 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 and in the Remain campaign and Europe better together certainly need to take back the hold and start dominating the narrative because that's ultimately, uh, you know, when the impact will become greatest globally is when the risk of, of, of this leave campaign uh, spreading through the rest of Europe, and obviously that will have dire consequences for South Africa, given that uh, Europe in, as, as a trading block is our second biggest trading partner. And, uh, you know, the impact on economic growth will be severe. That's pretty much why we've seen stocks across the board globally uh, selling off quite vociferously, because in an already uncertain environment in terms of weak top line growth, uh, any negative shocks to economic growth really are going to be dire. And if we look at uh, the South African stock market on Friday, basically the companies which have significant exposure to the UK were obviously the hardest hits. I mean, if we look at uh, the property company Capco down almost 18%, if we look at Old Mutual down significantly around 7%, if we look at Investec down around about the same margin, um, you know, the market's now really pricing in a reduced wealth effect from the UK. 
UK, reduced economic growth from the UK and a significantly weaker pound. Um, you know, when translating into other currencies, having a drastic impact, um, you know, on, on, on revenues earned within the UK. So for the time being, Sakina, I think a volatility is going to be the order of the day. Uh, we certainly saw that happening on Friday with uh, the rand plummeting sort of 5% uh, on the day, the pound reaching a 30-year low, um, you know, under 135 before recovering some of those losses later in the day. Um, you know, but that's ultimately what's going to be the order of the day. It's going to be volatility. And I think the biggest concern is that the weight on the, how this is going to weigh on global growth in an already uncertain environment. We saw our banks, um, you know, taking quite a significant hit on Friday. And we know that the banks are very predisposed to South African economic growth. So the direct trade relations are certainly important, Sakina, but I think the knock-on impact on volatility and the knock-on impact on global growth um, is where South Africa, both in terms of the real economy and financial assets in the stock market, are going to be the greatest affected. Mm. And in light of that Brexit sell-off, Nadir, at what point do equities become a buy again? Yeah, Sakina, listen, I mean, over the short term, there's going to be a lot of volatility. We've obviously seen stock prices come off quite a bit. I mean, if we look at the FTSE All World Index, we lost $2 trillion on that index on Friday alone. So it is a significant number. Uh, you know, but buying equity simply because they've lost value is not a good strategy. You know, we, we, we've got to get more clarity around the impact of Brexit, and we've got to get more clarity in terms of where economic growth is going, because ultimately, uh, you know, equities are a function of of how fast you can grow earnings, how, uh, how much dividends you're paying, and basically the multiple re-rating or willing to pay more for a dollar of earnings into the future. Now, we already know um, that uh, we were on the precarious side with regards to multiples on the MSCI world, probably trading at around 16 times forward, and you know, pockets of that trading significantly more expensive, and the parts trading cheaper uh, were potentially uh, you know, plagued businesses with uh, short balance sheets and, 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 and no real prospects of, of, of growth. Um, so, you know, Sakina, I think the biggest issue here is that it's got to be a case-by-case analysis. Um, you know, obviously, the parts of the market which are going to be the first point of interest would be the highly defensive sectors, probably with a due listing in the UK, but with not much revenue being derived out of the UK um, or the rest of the European trading partners. I mean, if you look at uh, uh, an example of that would be something like a British American tobacco, where they ultimately would benefit off a significantly weaker pound because they derive most of their, well, in fact, almost all of their revenue outside of the UK, uh, most of their revenue outside of the European Union, apart from a couple of Eastern European countries, um, you know, and they are a fairly defensive sector with high margins and a very good balance sheet. So, you know, at some point, there's going to be some interest turned towards uh, stocks like British American Tobacco for, for potential buying opportunity. Um, Old Mutual is another company that, that, that comes to mind. But obviously, uh, you know, that's a little bit more geared towards global economic growth, you know, in the insurance markets and being able to grow the number of customers you have or grow the premiums you're earning from them, um, you know, economic growth needs to be fairly stable and the knock-on of this Brexit, the impact of Brexit uh, is still yet to be known in terms of economic growth and as we mentioned earlier, could be even more severely uh, affected if this sentiment spreads to the rest of Europe and Europe breaks up as a whole and I think that's what markets are most concerned about at the moment. So, you know, equities are going to trade exceptionally volatile until we get more clarity that this is one, not going to spread to the rest of Europe and two, um, you know, we see some sort of policy certainty in terms 
terms of the Bank of England has already mentioned that they stand ready to intervene, um, you know, should things get too, too, too difficult and should the pound and financial assets derate too rapidly. Um, and we've seen the, 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 the Bank of Japan uh, joining that call today, mentioning that they stand ready to intervene in currency markets should the Japanese yen appreciate too strongly on the back of safe haven demand. So I think we've got to get this initial volatility out of the way, Sakina. So for now, it's a wait and see and wait and analyze a sort of scenario. But over the long term, you know, derating in some of these high quality businesses will present a buying opportunity, particularly those stocks that don't have significant exposure to the regions which are most affected by, by this Brexit vote. Mm. And then uh, interesting story, BRICS countries planning to launch their own ratings agency. Yeah, really interesting story, Sakina. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we had one of your listeners asking a question mm. about the ratings agencies and why they all dominated in uh, the developed markets, particularly within the U.S. And I think this is quite an interesting story because, uh, you know, BRICS, uh, BRICS governments and BRICS uh, corporates, you know, are a, a little bit uh, disillusioned, should you say, by, by the um, ratings they receive from the, the three major ratings agencies. And they believe that there's an untoward bias to um, you, you know, a more n- a negative narrative towards the emerging markets, and as a result of that, it affects their borrowing costs quite drastically. I mean, if you look at uh, just the last two years, we've seen Brazil being downgraded to junk status. We've seen uh, uh, Russia being downgraded to junk status. We see South Africa, um, you know, on negative watch, perhaps, and not completely out of the woods yet, with potentially a ratings downgrade at the end of the year by S&P. And uh, you know, we see uh, most of the the, the the emerging market countries on negative watch, you know, and I think they're becoming a little bit disillusioned by this. And this is a, this has given rise to an initiative uh, by the, the, the BRICS as a, as, as a collective, the British, uh, the, sorry, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, as a collective to investigate, um, you know, setting up a new ratings agency. And we know that state-owned banks in in, in India and uh, Russia as well have a, a, a big drive in terms of putting this together. And I think uh, the biggest question at the moment. Well, the, their biggest uh, concern is that the ratings agencies are fundamentally conflicted because they earn revenue from the companies and corporates which they rate, and that fundamentally is a, is a, is a conflict of interest. So, you know, I think uh, there's different models being investigated in terms of how this ratings agency can be set up to avoid that conflict in terms of the people you rate compensating you. Uh, but I think, Sakina, the critical part is that these ratings agencies are going to have to gain credibility uh, from the international market because essentially a ratings agency is only as good as what uh, the investors who are buying instruments from the companies that they rate believe they are. So they have to gain credibility in terms of lack of uh, conflicts of interest and they have to gain credibility in terms of their methodology of evaluating uh, the, a particular sovereign or, or corporate uh, credit rating. So it's all about credibility, Sakina, and, but this is an interesting story that we'll have to watch unfold. Indeed. Thank you so much. Nadir Token, investment analyst at 274 Investment Managers.